defends from dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyf, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby league. To episode five of the Supercoach Playbook pre-season podcast, I am your host, Tim Williams. In this week's show, we'll be talking about the Supercoach ramifications out of the week's Rugby League news. We'll be doing a little bit of a Perth Nines recap. We'll be talking buy planning strategy with two very special guests. We'll be going through every gun second row forward in the game, as long as, as well as a couple of blokes who are, are cheaper options but very much relevant this year. And then at the end, we'll take a few questions that we got on social media this week. Uh, first guest of the week is the 2019 champion, Des Creek. Des, how are we? I'm good, mate. It's good to be back on. Raring to go. Happy days, mate. And uh, next up, we've got the Queenslander, Walson Carlos. Walson? Hey, Timmy. Hey, Des. Good to see you, old sparring partner. Yeah, you too, mate. We've got the dream team back together, by which I mean these two, obviously, being first and second last year. I'm honoured to be among them, so let's see what we can deliver this week. Guys, if you haven't checked out the website yet, scplaybook.com.au, there's some good stuff from these two and myself on there, as well as a bunch of other contributors. Uh, if you've got any feedback for us or questions, jump on our socials on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at SC Playbook one uh, Let's get into the news this week. The major one for me, uh, I know you guys, I think I have pretty varying thoughts to me, is Cam Murray moving to an edge, we believe, this year, according to what Wayne Bennett said, which we always take with a grain of salt. Uh, I'll start with you, Des. Are you a fan of it or not? Um, I'm actually going against the grain on this one. I think Murray's a better player in the middle. I think his footwork and agility makes him super dangerous up the rock when he's running off Cook uh, with the fast play of the balls there. Um, I know a lot of people are excited about him moving to an edge, but I actually think his attacking stats might not increase as much as sort of people are thinking. And I think at 630k, uh, you want safe base, base stats, um, reliable. There's more reliable secondary forwards out there, I think. Yeah, and I mean, that's the issue, isn't it? Some people think your tackle increase. You obviously don't think it will as much. Uh, one thing we do know is that the base stats are definitely going to go down on the edge, as we've historically seen with guys who have made this move. Uh, Walton, what are your thoughts, mate? I'm just excited that he might play somewhere between 70 and 80 minutes. Um, last year, he averaged 59 minutes a game. So I just see more more Cameron Murray time. Um, he's probably going to score more. But it's whether I put him in my team is probably dependent on whether he's left edge or right edge. I think if he's left edge, he's in my team. If he's right edge, uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, I just think that left edge will be lethal. Um, he's probably more suited to the right edge with his uh, right foot step, but um, I like him if he can play it on that left edge with uh, Cody Walker, Braden Burns and Latrell Mitchell at the back. Yeah, so you're saying if he's, if he's on the left edge, you'll pick him. If he's on the right edge, you'll avoid. Uh, I, I want him in my team, but I'd probably be reluctant to pick him um, if he's on the right edge. And I want to see uh, how, how many minutes Bennett's planning on playing him? Because I sort of get the impression from what he said in the media that he wants to play him 80 minutes. That would be massive. Like If he does come out and says that he, he will be playing 80, I think you have to have him. Uh, I personally think him on an edge with a bit more space, particularly if it is that left edge. I think his attacking stats could go through the roof. Even on the right edge we saw last year, Sammy Burgess playing flat and fast on the line off Damian Cook. And his tries just they were nuts early on in the season for a big bloke. I know he's a different player to Cam Murray, but they've both got that bit of footwork at the line. So I'm really excited by it. I am a bit of a fanboy of Cam Murray, I must admit. We don't want to get let our heart get in the way of the head when it comes to super coach, but I'm struggling and I'm very keen on him. Uh, I do think he'll play a bit on an edge. And as you said, it was a bit hard to decipher what Bennett was saying about him. I think he might shift in the middle at some point in the game. Whether that affects his minutes, we'll find out. Uh, next on the list, a bit of talk from Paul Green that Val Holmes could be starting on the wing in the first couple of rounds of the season as they ease him back into the rigours of the NRL. Walson, do you believe this at all or not? Oh, I think Paul Green's just playing a few mind games with people. I couldn't really start uh, see Val Holmes starting on the wing unless they started with maybe Drinkwater uh, at fullback and they tried to fit Drinkwater Clifford 
Morgan and um, Val Holmes into the same side, but I don't understand why he's had a full preseason. Um, I think you'd throw him back there at fullback and and get on with it. I think Clifford will bide his time. He's only 21, 22 or something like that. So um, drink water, left foot kicker, left side of the ruck, and then Morgan can play his familiar right side of the ruck. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I think I mean it's 2020. The guy's in the prime of his career. He only had the one year out. Um, it'd be different if he'd had several years out, if he was a bit older. Maybe, more importantly, if he'd had any injuries he was coming back from. But for mine, there's no reason why. He, I mean, he signed on to be their fullback. I think he'll be their fullback round one. Um, the Broncos had a trial game against the Capras on the weekend. Jack Bird played at fullback. Uh, went solid there by all reports and played some decent minutes. For potential TPJ owners, he played 40 minutes as well, which is encouraging for them to see that they're happy to play him decent minutes in a trial game, uh, particularly one against the Queensland Cup side. The big one was uh, Andrew McCulloch played played decent minutes as well and start of the show, was the star of the show, should I say. Do you see this as being an issue for Jake Turpin, Walson, who I know you're keen on, or not so much? No, I don't think so. I think Seabold... Um, with everything that he's shown, he's committed to playing um, one dominant hooker and he plays with three forwards on the bench and then he likes a utility player like a, a Corey Pakes who can play outside backs and dummy half and in the halves or maybe a Katoni Staggs who's a, a jack of all trades or possibly even Jack Bird if, if Jack Bird doesn't crack the um, top 13. But I think Bird will be in the top 13. I, I think actually Bird's probably a better chance of, of taking Osako's fullbacks uh, spot. I, so I saw the team for um, the Cairns game this weekend and there were some interesting uh, names in the lineup there. And Bird playing fullback um, for two weeks in a row says mm, Seabold might be invested in it. It's massive, isn't it? And I was never overly keen on Jermaine Osako in Supercoach or in the NRL, actual NRL as a fullback. I'm one of these guys where I think you, you have to be a ball-playing fullback in this modern age. You have to be an exceptional ball runner to be able to play fullback and not be able to ball play. Um, I mean, it, it's really interesting. So it, it does look like as though he's going cold on Osaka, which is a massive worry for super coaches. But, I mean, we're not really going to know until uh, the team's named in that first team this Tuesday. Um, on to the Manly Seagulls. This is definitely one for you, Des, as a supporter. A bit of injury news coming out this week. We know Adam Fanua Blake's not due back to around four. Taniela Paseca also round four earliest, I believe. Jake Jaboyevich round three. Um, this means pretty big things for Marty to power, you'd think, who, from to what we know, is going into the season as fit as he's, as he's been in a while. Uh, you had him in your team. You took him out at your most recent update. What are your thoughts there? Any more love for Marty or not? Uh, yeah, I, I really do like the look of him. I think he's he could get some big minutes to start the season. And as we know, starting Supercoach well is pretty much the backbone of a good season and ranking highly. I think, yeah, at his price, you'd seriously have to look at him. I've had to take him out because, um, yeah, I've brought in Coruscant for Harry Grant because I don't think that player swap's going ahead. But, yeah, if if I could afford to power, or if I might swing him back in at any stage because I just think he could really come out of the box firing. Yep, nice. And the big one there for me is Sean Kepi, who played round 25 last year. He started about 200k because of that, but he's pretty highly rated at the club and there's not a lot of depth in the forwards, in the middle forwards particularly at Manly. So this bodes really well for him. He's a little bit of a risk, of course, with these guys coming back around round three or four, but potentially if they're eased back, uh, there could be decent minutes for Kepi early on and, and we really need a decent cheapie outside of hooker, which is where it looks like we'll get them at the moment. Uh, let's go over to the Perth Nines and take a quick look at that. Another guy that you had in your side, Des, but you swapped him out was Anthony Milford, who I think tweaked his hamstring in the tournament. Um, you'd, you'd, have you moved him out because of that, or was it just SJ was too appealing? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of both. I, I yeah, I, I might have just gone to SJ anyway because we know Milford is a bit of a he's a liability at times. Whereas SJ, he's he's also he can produce some low scores, but. Across the season, I think he's always going to average at least 10 to 15 points higher than Milford is. Um, I, I can't see him going any worse than he did last season. I think his combinations at the Sharks are only going to get better. And he, he was still averaging something over 60, um, which is pretty much a goldmine in that in that position. So, yeah, I've, I've brought in SJ and I'm pretty confident that I'm going to hold him 
um, through till round one. Yeah, love the SJ call. And for Anthony Milford owners out there, um, I mean, he looks a big risk for me just with that hamstring now. There was risk surrounding him already. Now with the hamstring, that should be a major issue. Um, he becomes even more of a pod now, which is massive, but we'll wait and see. Uh, Ethan Lowe went down injured. Uh, could be out for an extended period. Good news for Jaden Sewer, who's a bit over 300k and looks a serious option now. Um, also good news for Cam Murray playing on that edge as far as his 80-minute aspirations go and Liam Knight playing at lock. So keep an eye on how that pans out, the, the injury analysis there, but plenty happening in the, the Bunnies back row as well. And the normal stuff coming out of the Dragons with Cameron McGuinness now looking like he could be out for an extended period. Uh, he heard his, I think it was his, possibly his medial or MCL on the weekend. Corbin Sims hasn't refractured his arm, but there's another issue there. Um, guys, what does this mean at the Dragons? Anything for you, Walson? Oh, it, it reminds me a little bit of the Mason Leno situation where he left the Warriors and then, I, if I remember it correctly, he left the Warriors to get a starting spot at Newcastle and then all of a sudden they signed Pierce um, from the Roosters and he never got a crack. Well, Reese Robson has been a player in waiting and, and he's been signed by the Cowboys. Well, he'd be a walk-up start at the moment to play 80 minutes at St. George, but he's going to have to battle it out with Jake Gramble there. I, I, I don't know if it has many repercussions super coach wise because I don't think um, Isaac Luke can play 80 minutes at this stage of his career. I think he's in the twilight of his career. It, it makes it really tough for the Dragons. What would be interesting, and I saw someone side today and they brought in Ben Hunt. Would would they play Ben Hunt at, at dummy half? I mean, like, he, he played there for Origin, so he's capable. Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. Sorry, he's you, a bit expensive, though. I think – isn't Hunt like 550 or 60K or something? He's, he's a bit much. I, I think the repercussions come in the form of Trent Merrin. I think he's a serious option now at 400K um, with, with all these injuries there. I think I'll seriously have to have a look at him. I'm absolutely with you, mate. And I, I did a player profile piece on Merrin today on the site. And to be honest, going into it, it was more just because there'd been a lot of questions about him. And I wasn't real keen. You know, we knew he had that bit of a regression before he went over to the UK. But it was a more of a form regression than a super coach regression. His minutes dropped significantly, but his PPM stayed really impressive. He went over to the UK and his stats are on there. So jump on and take a look because I don't have them off the top of my head. But his base stats are about 56 points over there. We know Super League players come to the NRL in the back line tend to struggle. But, I mean, work ethic's work ethic, and so is fitness. So there's no reason why he can't bring that back to the Dragons. Um, we know McInnes was going to move to the back row when Isaac Luke came on anyway. So I just see this as more minutes for, for him now, Trent Merrin. So could be a bit of a blast from the past. But I think he averaged 74 in 2016 or 17. So who knows? Merrin could come into contention. Um, and then just any any general takes from the tournament, guys. There was Appy Coruscant, SJ, of course. Big Billy Kickow, he went nuts, scored some unbelievable tries. Walson, anyone pique your interest there? Uh, I think I think Appy Coruscant is the buzz of everyone in Supercoach. I liked him before, went into the nine. So I'm sort of I'm not disappointed that he went well. He sort of validated what I thought, that, that he was a – a must-get, so, but I think he'll be more highly owned because of the way he played. He's a very instinctive runner, and I think he's a massive chance of uh, um, getting 80 minutes, particularly to start the first two or three weeks. Mitch Kenny's apparently injured. He's really the only other um, decent hooker on the roster apart from some young fellas. So, um, I mean, the kid from the Cowboys, the Hammer, or, uh, the Hammer was uh, pretty exciting. I don't know if he'll get a start on the wing, but there probably is a spot there on the wing because I think they finished the season with Ben Hampton or Murray Tuolagi uh, on the wing and neither of them are, um, are sort of probably top shelf first graders. Um, yeah, kick out. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just, I've, I've never been really keen on because he's too up and down, but yeah, he, he was impressive. I, I'd be more likely to go um, Luciana Leilua than him. So. Yeah, fair shout. Um, Viliami is someone I've always been keen on. I always had a bit of a soft spot for him just because of his enormous ceiling. His base is in the early 40s, so not as impressive. But 
I know in 77 to 80 minute games last year, he averaged about 64. So if you can deal with the sort of a few lower scores in him, just to see him go massive after the weekend, I'm a little bit tempted, but I think there are better options in the back row. Uh, Appy definitely tempting. Des, any takes from you? Yeah, I, I thought Kikau looked good. I brought him in really late last season as a as a pod, and it didn't really work out. But I don't know. He was, I thought he was carrying an injury last year, maybe. Um, but yeah, he definitely looks like he shed a bit of uh, a bit of weight, and he was looking really fit, really powerful. But nines is you, you can't really take a lot away from it. You just, they just get so much space. It's really hard to sort of correlate it to NRL. But, yeah, they, they obviously all three of those guys did look good. Yeah, and you've nailed it on the head there, mate. It's a really good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up and we didn't bypass it. I think we're all probably in, in a similar boat. You can get some good ideas from the Nines tournament, but don't read into it too much because it, it is just a completely different ball game. So if you are liking someone, use it simply as a guide. It's probably better for me to see guys who have been injured who are proving their fitness a little bit more than anything. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's still worth taking a few looks out of. Uh, and just on the hammer, the young Cowboys winger, he was named as a fullback. He's been given dual fullback center wing status, which is enormous because to, to bypass one of the fullbacks to start him in round one, should he get a start, would have been just massive ramifications all over the place for Supercoach. So it could be a really good cheapie early in the season. Um, guys, heaps of questions came in over the last couple of weeks for you two. People want to know how to plan around the buys, particularly from the, the start of the season. No one knows whether they need to have 10 blokes in their team, if they should have two blokes in their team. I'm in the same boat. It's really hard to get a gauge on it. Um, Des, I'll start with you. How did you prepare for the buys last year? Was there much consideration go into it, or, or how did it all work out? Um, I'm, I'm not going to say it's totally unimportant, starting it from round one. Obviously, you should have a look at sort of what eight teams are playing. I actually didn't last year. I'll confess. Um, obviously, yeah. There's more. There's more pressing issues than by planning over the first eight weeks of Supercoach. I think that's that's really where you have to sit down. You have to watch eight games a week um, of footy. You, you literally just physically have to watch as much NRL as you can, um, and and that applies to before the buys as well. Just to see who who's really getting the most sort of attacking opportunities. Uh, from each team, that really helps sort of deciding who to trade in for the buys, I think. Yeah. Uh, obviously, just um, reading as much information as you can about it, um, listen to podcasts, uh, read some articles, look at every bit of advice you can. Uh, that's basically how you deal with the buys. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, And Walson, I mean, you were second last year. I think you were just over 400 the year before. You know, I, I see it. It shows that it's not by any fluke by going back to back such high finishes, mate. What was your take on the buys to start last season? Any thoughts? Yeah, I think every year that I've played, um, like it's been in progression. So I've been higher up. Obviously, it'd be pretty tough this year. But um, I, I like I have been more conscious of the buys um, and from round one. So I've taken it into consideration, and um, I think uh, when you where you buy the 1999 thing, the, the Supercoach Gold, it actually shows you, like, in the buy rounds who you got. Or it might do it for free, I'm not sure. But um, it, that's really good. So you can look forward and go, oh, who have I got in this round? Who have I got in that round? So um, I've used that a fair bit. Um, as the season went on, when I was up there you know, with Des, I would plan out my team for the next three or four weeks and I'd write it down. Um, that was more of a time management thing because I – had a fair bit going on work-wise and that. So I would actually have my team written down and what trades I was going to do. And they changed a lot, but um, basically how I was going to get my team to a certain position for the buyers. So a little bit of uh, forward planning always helps as well. I think I think one of the strategies, I think I talked to you about it, Tim, which um, I might write an article really interesting is um, you can have sort of sleeper players there that you think are going to play the buy and basically they're non-scoring players on your bench. And I use that quite effectively. Um, I think I looped about four times. So, like, um, I, I tried to not have players on my bench that were slow burners, um, if you know what I mean, because yeah. um, then you can't really loop because you've got to take their low score. 
Um, so, yeah, that's some consideration, but it's it's a fairly tactical move, that one. Yeah, and that ties back into Dez's article. He spoke about it last week on the podcast about when you're making a trade, you know, do you look at points or do you look at cash generation? Um, and basically what you're saying is rather than that slow-burning cash that you might build up, you had these guys who most other people didn't have who you were confident were going to play in the buy period and just became invaluable and didn't have these 170k guys who made 10 grand a week. Yeah, well, that sticks in my mind. You know, like um, even I had Albert Hopawade for half the year, I think, you know, maybe to the first buy. And and um, it sounds really strange because he, he did his um, ACL uh, fairly early on, but um, he was much touted to, to play his debut. But he was useful for me because you know, I had him and instead of maybe – I know it's not the same position, but I might have had like a McKaylee or something like that, and they can just kill you. Like if you if you know your vice captain, and then you've got a McKaylee sitting there, and um, Michael Maguire's blooding blooding him off the bench in his first year, and Eisenhuth absolutely cruel me late in the season, does he know that for Melbourne? But you know you just can't use your loop. You know, like you, if you nail a loop and they get a hundred, like Cook got a hundred on Friday one night, and then I had Eisenhuth sitting there. And um, to use my loop, I, you know, I would have had to cop Eisenhuth's score and, and Bellamy was playing for about four minutes. So, Yeah, it is very hard in that tactic. I like, I like where you're going with it and it's, it's very different. I do see it as a little bit high risk in the sense that if these guys that you're pl- picking there and they're not playing at all, that you're banking on them playing through the buy period is an extra number. You know, if they're not named, it's a huge risk. But, I mean, it's paid off for you and, it's I mean, it's worked two from two. So, happy days. Starting from round one, is there a golden number or an approximate golden number of guys that you should have in your team playing the first buy, just so people have a bit of an idea? Um, um, yeah, Des, thoughts? I, I, I think I landed on around 10 or 11 for the first buy in terms of Starting players. I, I went for a different option to Walson. Actually, I I tried to uh, trade in guns from the buy teams instead of sort of cheapies who sleepers as he calls them. I traded in guys like Manu Mo. Tried to get in Reese Martin as well. Those sort of guys who who you could just keep for a couple of weeks after the buy. Wouldn't have yes. to worry about them. Um, but yeah, I, I I found that 10, 11 was fine for the first buy. I think for the second buy. I got around thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, but yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to get seventeen. No way. And that's massive, isn't it? Because people bust themselves to get seventeen or as close to it as they can, and they tear their sides apart. And this chat comes up on podcasts and articles around that buy period every year. And we know we can't tear it apart, but I mean, the fact that you haven't gone massive with it shows that you know you don't have to have anywhere near seventeen players to win it because you're accumulating points elsewhere. So. Yeah, anyway, really interesting sort of stuff. But as, and we will get to it, obviously, later in the year as we get close to the buy period. The other thing we'll chat about in the future because we don't have enough time tonight, but is you more into your captain strategy? And I know, Walson, you nailed yours. There's not as much luck for you, so we can talk about that. We'll get onto that later on because we've not enough time. Let's get into the second rollers this year because they're, it's absolutely stacked. Initially, I thought fullback was the most stacked position, but now I'm thinking back rollers. Uh, and the fact that we don't have the cheapies means, well, you know, we're really struggling to lock in three or four gun back rolls as we would have hoped to do if we had a bunch of 170k players. We'll start with Jason Tamalolo, and I'm going to throw to a question from, I think it was Facebook, from Mitchell Legg. If you could only have one of Haas or Lolo, who would it be? Des? Oh, it's got to be Haas. His, his floor is just a slight bit higher, and he's he's playing... Probably a bit more minutes. I think he's just yeah, he, he's just as dangerous as Tumalolo, really, from what we saw of Haas last year. I think Haas, yeah, he's a lock-in captain. Yeah, Walson. Ah, oh, yeah, I'd have to go Haas as well, just because he plays such huge minutes, and um, I, I don't, I don't know if his scores can get that much better, but I don't think Lolo's can either. Like that's the thing with those players; they're so high. It's hard to see them averaging like a lot more, but I could see them both sustaining it. So, to me, both of them are a lock. I, I'm going to put both of them in, but I, I understand why people are considering leaving one of them out. Well, that's it. Like when you've got Tam Lolo, who's 723k, Huss isn't too indifferent. 
And there's guys like David Fafida, Luciano Leilua, Viliami Kikau, who, who are two to 250k cheaper, which is an enormous amount of cash. Now, as we said before, if we had these cheapies, you could lock them in both with confidence. But look, we might have to save cash elsewhere to strengthen up the team. So it really is going to be interesting for round one. Uh, we won't waste too much time on John Bateman because by the sounds of it, he could be out for three to four, maybe even five weeks. The thing with him is we know he's a notoriously quick healer. He burned a lot of people, myself included, last year, getting injured just before their first major bye, which the Raiders played. He came back that week and busted out a good scores and wasted a bunch of trades for people. Let's say he's a shock name for round one and becomes an excellent pod. Des, any interest? Yeah, I'd probably snap him off straight away. I love Bateman. I think he's an absolute he's an absolute gun. His his style of game is just so conducive to Supercoach. He busts tackles everywhere. He's always looking to offload, and yeah, he's he's got some deceptive pace as well. But yeah, uh, is it, it it is a a thing to consider, especially with his his healing speeds. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd seriously be looking at getting him in. Yeah, it'd just be massive. So we'll see how it goes. His ownership had plummeted so dramatically, even if he was named, just with that injury concern. But he is an Iron Man, so one to look at. Uh, we've covered Cam Murray. We've covered Cam McGuinness. Ryan Madison, Walson, I know you said he was your second player picked. Uh, he's at 626K. I'll start by saying, you know, you've already said you've got Payne Huff in your team. You've got Taumalolo in your team. Um Madison, thoughts? Why do you love him so much? Uh, I like him because he's a solid player. I thought he was playing out of position last year. Um, he was playing lower minutes. Um, Brad Arthur likes to play his back rowers for 80 minutes. So I think he'll have Wayne on the left edge and I think he'll have uh, Madison on the right edge. It's a pretty good right edge. You know, you've got Moses there who... Um, He's very good at getting outside his player and attracting the player outside him to come in so he can create those holes. He did it a fair bit for Mau last year and then you got Wanga Blake outside it. So if he goes early to um, Madison, we know he's got a good kicking game um, and he's, he's a pretty good ball player as well. He used to be a 5'8". I, I just like him. I, you know, I know that some people say he's not dynamic enough to play on an edge, but um, for me, yeah, I'm locking him in. Yeah, that unders line he runs is beautiful. And at the end of the day, you don't have to be a superstar, a superstar creatively to play on an edge. So I think Maddo's a great shout, obviously. But the only minor issue for me, when you're forking out that much cash, when you're already getting someone like Lolo um, and Payne Haas, it's just it's a bit of a logjam of forwards in the Parramatta back rows. So they've got Sean Lane, who will probably play he'll play decent minutes. Um, they've got Nia Cora, who they like there, who will probably spend more time in the middle than on the edge because of Lane and Madison. You've got Brad Takarangi, who probably plays off the bench, which isn't a huge issue. But then you've got Nathan Brown at lock. You've got Junior Paulo and Campbell Gillard, who can play big minutes up front. Is there any chance he doesn't play 80 minutes because of this logjam, Wilson, or not? Oh, I think there's a chance, but... Um, I think there's probably more chance someone like Takarangi plays reserve grade to be honest, because um, – but he can't play outside backs, Tagarangi as well. Um, I, I don't know. Like, Brown, to me, he's such a high-energy player. I think they'll look to play him 50 to 60 minutes. Um, Paulo, they, they got his minutes up there around about 50. Uh, Campbell Gillard, um, I, I've not really ever been that keen on, so I'm not I'm not convinced he's going to go really well, but he, – he, He'd have to go better than what he went the last year at Penrith because he, he struggled big time. So, uh, no, it would be interesting to see. I mean, I, I'm a big, big fan of Nia Cora. I, yeah. I rate him very highly. So, um, if you know, and even if there was an injury, I'd be looking to bring him in super coach because if he played 80 minutes on an edge, he, he he's a definite super coach prospect. Yeah, and that looks at the moment like the only probably minor issue with Ryan Madison. You know, he's a fair fair price, but he'll also play a few extra minutes, we think, this year. <clears throat> Just keep an eye for it anyway. Uh, Kenny Bromwich, 595k, got the 80-minute roll last year on the edge of the storm and just took it with both hands, went nuts. He set up 10 tries last year, which is ridiculous for a back rower. He scored five. Des, is there any interest? And can he keep up these stats, or does he just look like he's going to regress? 
Yeah, that, that's the question, isn't it? Can he can he replicate it? I mean, it's we know that storm left edge is absolutely it's dynamic. So th- there is every chance that he probably can pull it off again. But I think yeah, I think you're better off going for safety in the, in the position in the uh, second row forward position. I think 595k is too much to pay for Kenny Bromwich, even if he does sort of replicate it. There's just better buys for that sort of price. Yeah, Walson, Kbrom, any interest as a massive pod? No. Yeah, good. Me too. <laughs> um, Jake Boyevich, we don't need to speak about him too much. Um, not back to uh, yeah, sort of. I think it's about meant to be round four. Um, the issue is then he'll be playing Origin, so does he get rests over the Origin period and misses games? So I think we're all pretty happy for the time being, at least while he's going to miss the start of the season to put a line through him. Jai Arrow is a really interesting one. I mean, how many gun back rolls can you have in your team? He's 575k. Uh, he averaged 55 minutes in 2018 and 57 minutes in 2019, pretty well largely due to injury. Ryan James has gone there. The Titans look pretty weak up front. He scores at a PPM of 1.1 to 1.2 pretty consistently or very consistently year after year. Does Jai Arrow in your team for round one or not? Yeah, he's dead. Last year, hoping he does that sort of thing again. Uh, yeah, I, I just like him. He's super consistent. Um, and, he, and he plays injured as well. He just plays through it. So you know that he's he's rarely going to sort of come off injured with a niggling uh, sort of knee injury or something like that. He, he'll likely just play through it. So he's, he's an iron man. And I, I love to have him in my team. Yeah, nice, mate. I think I'm the same. Walson, I mean, I suppose, A, are you interested, interested in him? And B... The fact that he's moving to South Sydney next season, will this bode well for his minutes or not? I feel like it will bode well for his minutes because um, I think in the past, I, I'm actually not sure what Garth Brennan was doing, but maybe he thought that he was protecting him because he did have some back injuries. He had, he had sort of like a series of lower back injuries. But to me, when he played um, in the nines, he looked a bit freer. Like, say, so he might have worked over that uh, on that over the off-season, you know, with some physio and things like that because he always looked a bit tight in the back and a bit round-shouldered. I'm not a physio, but that's just that's just like the eye test. But um, he looked fitter. He was stripping fitter, had a rotten haircut. But um, I reckon he'll go well this year. I, I, he'll be in my side. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, and then, then I think that was the massive one for me as well. Talk about guys at the Perth Nines who you're encouraged by the fact that they sent them over and let them play, a la Braden Burns, um, Jai is a massive one there. If he had any niggles, you're not going to play him in a tournament like the Perth Nines. I know you can ease them into it a little bit rather than a full-on trial, but um, I'm very happy with that. And, yeah, I'll be, I'll be starting with Arrow as well. I do think he's underpriced, and I think he'll get more minutes. Um, Corey, Corey Harawira Naira, 557K. Uh, basically, he's lost his dual position status. God knows what Dean Pay is doing with him at the Bulldogs. He does look like he'll probably play 80 minutes, but there's a lot of back rolls there. I think we can put a line through him there. Um, Britton Nakora at Cronulla, a player I love personally. I think he's going to be exceptional, but does he regress after a monster debut year? Uh, he's 557K. He lost his dual position, so probably put a line through him as well. Nathan Brown, we spoke about him. I think his minutes regress. Um, guys, any... Uh, a bit of a left field one, but Torhu Harris, who hopefully is fit and ready to go, 546k. He hasn't played over 16 games since 2016. Des, any just for you there with Big Torhu? Um, not particularly. Not particularly. No, I'll let I'll let Walson uh, answer this one though, because I know he's a he's a big Warriors fan. He probably he's probably had a look at Torhu. Yeah, I, I like Tohu Harris, and I've used him over the last couple of years. I think he might have been in my side at some stage last year as well. Um, no chat, Jazz Tabunga might mean, you know, like maybe they come to his edge more, but it's hard to look at the Warriors. Like, I, I mean, they haven't added to their list. Um, I saw their round one team predicted, and it doesn't look strong. So, um, but but that that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for Supercoach. It might mean blokes like Tohu Harris and Roger Tuivasa-Shek just do all the work. But um, yeah, it'd be a massive pod because he's only owned by one percent of teams at the moment. Yeah. Um, next on the list is Angus Crichton at 530k. <clears throat> An interesting chat today. He's been named at centre for the World Club Challenge which is just come left field. We know that he played a bit of centre at schoolboy rugby and was a star there. Um, 
I didn't read too much into it until I saw a quote from Trent Robinson saying he's certainly fast enough. If he settles there and puts his mind to it, he could become one of the best centers in the competition, which is just massive because, I mean, A, it doesn't take Einstein to realize that should this shock move pay off and it stayed there, it'd kill his super coach output. Um, Walson, tell me your thoughts on that. And then also, let's say he does get an 80-minute edge roll at the Roosters. Are you interested in him there? Uh, if he gets an 80-minute edge roll in the, yeah. at the Roosters, like, uh, second row, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested in him. I think he's probably underpriced um, because he's played a bit off the bench, you know, marginally underpriced. But um, it's a bit like uh, Corey Harawira and Naira, like his job security is always up in the air. So do you really want to take a risk on him? It's a fair, it's a fairly big risk. You know, if someone like uh, Mitch Orbison, doesn't you know like went out in the world club challenge and he, he he got taken out for the year or something like that yeah you know like lock him in 100 percent. but his job security i think um robinson's shown that he's he's um i don't know if he's really got that much faith in him to be honest yeah you're not wrong we saw him shift between the edge and middle as well last year which wasn't critical to his super coach scoring but it just we know he can generate so many attacking stats so that's why they're dead if the minutes do turn up? Um, not at centre, though. If, if he's not making tackles, then he's losing so much output. So I think if he does keep um, keep in the, in the second row, you have to look at him, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I, I had him in my team a couple of weeks ago, actually. But, yeah, there's better options. Yeah, it's a bit of a play by you, one, and see what happens, happens in the World Club Challenge. As you said, if there any injuries occur, and then we'll, we'll reassess close to the season. <clears throat> Dave Pafida, he's one of my first blokes picked personally. Um, 54 points per game in 56 minutes per game last year. In the final eight games of the year, he played 80 minutes and averaged 77 points, went bonkers in a couple of those games. Des, is he in your side? Absolutely. He's one of the first guys I picked. Um <laughs> He's, he's as close to a must-have as he can at 500k. Anyone sort of not starting with David Fafita should seriously reconsider, I'd say. I think he's just so dangerous. He, he, he's so fast. He can bust tackles so easily. Like I've never seen someone that size bust tackles so, so easily. Uh, yeah, he made anyone who didn't have him pay last year. That's for sure. Yeah, I know in his... Two of the last three games of the year, he busted 31 tackles in two games. It was 16 and 15, which is just absurd for any player, let alone a 18, 19-year-old, whatever he is. The only issue I see there is Brisbane are just absolutely stacked in their forward pack. And Walsh will be able to share a bit of light on this because I know he's looked into it. But they've got Alex Glenn and TPJ vying for one edge roll. They've got Offer Hungahi there. They've got Tom Flegler and Pat Carrigan who will play in the middle. We've got Payne Haas and Matt Lodge, who are both 60-plus minute players. Walson, is there a chance that for... Uh, there's probably a chance. I mean, you'd have to have a look at what Seabold did with him uh, uh, last year. But I think now he's he's an established player with what he did at the end of the year. I, I He's in my side. I, I don't think you can start the season without him, but I'm not convinced he's going to go as good as everyone says, like it would not surprise me if he if he started really slowly. Um, but given his price and what he did last year, if he comes out and explodes in even one game and you don't have him, I think it could be, yeah, it could get you too far behind. So you you're almost obligated to play him based on what he did at the end of last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even worst case scenario, he does play sixty minutes. He's still going to produce some pretty good scores, and he's still not a massive risk. So get him in. The issue there with that stack pack is TPJ. I've almost, I was a little bit tempted by TPJ in the front row. I was a little bit of a pod despite his injury history. But with that many forwards there, minutes have to give somewhere, and it looks like it could be TPJ. Walson, Luciano Leilua, you're a fan? Massive. Yeah, I think he's my. I don't, I don't know why. I just, I just feel like. Um, it's similar to Cameron Munster. Uh, Benji Marshall's not a real, a really good uh, ball player going all the way into the line. He's developed it a little bit as his as his career has gone on. But if he's getting early ball, like Kenny Bromwich got off uh, Cameron Munster, if uh, Luciano Leilua is getting early ball, um, 
he has all the skills. Um, yeah, he might miss a few tackles and that, but it's only negative one. And him and his brother, you know, on that right-hand side are a real worry in defence. But attacking-wise, geez, they're going to be tough to handle. Mate, them two on the same edge is something I've wanted my their whole career, should I say. It could just be absolute madness. They could set, set up four or five tries between them each game. They could let through the same amount. It's exciting to watch. And the Tigers who have struggled to score points for the last couple of years, like it's really been their downfall big time. It's exciting times for them. So let's see how they pan out. Um, I'm not going to bore you with Joe Tapney because I've spoken about him in a couple of the podcasts already. I'm keen on him. I think he can get big minutes this year. and He's only 362K, mainly due to the due to John Bateman. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to Cohen Hess, who impressed at the Perth Nines. 354K, a bit like Appy Coruscant for Walson. Hess is a guy I had my eye on should he get back to a starting role, even from round one at that price. Um, Dez, is there any interest for you in Cohen Hess? Uh, no, I'm not the biggest fan of Hess. Uh, I know he's cheap. Uh, we, we knew what he can. We know what he can produce from his uh, golden season a couple of years ago. But uh, I just, uh, I don't know. He's, he's not the sort of player that I like have too much interest in. Not sure why. I, I can see the value there. But I just don't think he can sort of replicate what he did a couple of years ago. Yeah, and that's the million-dollar question there with Cohen Hess. Uh, Walson, yourself? Oh, I think he's underpriced, which makes him interesting, but I'm a bit like Des. I'm not a massive fan. Yeah, that's it. I mean, if he, if he gets the minutes, I mean, he started last year as an 80-minute back rower. He went on to average 60 minutes a game. His points per minute went down from previous years where he averaged 50 points per eight points per game, should I say. Um, if he could get back up to that 58 points per game average, should he get that 80-minute back rower role, he'd go up about 200K, which is ridiculous, but... I mean, I think he's probably one, even if he does get named to start, we can sit there and watch the first couple of rounds and just see how he's looking. If he does look like the Cohen Hess of old and go from there. Um, last on the list, before we take a few questions, is Jaden Sur at South Sydney. We spoke about the, the injury to Ethan Lowe there. In a year where mid-rangers are going to be key, Sue was almost considered a cheap at 303. Uh, Des, is he in your side? Yeah, well, I've got Sue. I, I just can't see him going wrong there. I think he's going to make money. Uh, I can't see him losing money. He's he's definitely going to make at least 150, 200k. Then he can just swap him out. That's the plan for me. Yeah, nice mate, Walson. Uh, at the moment, I can't fit him in because I've got a stacked uh, second row. But that that could change uh, before the start of the year, and probably will change. But yeah, Sewer and Jack Williams, I'm interested in. You know, I think both of them, if they get significant minutes, are um, mid range players that. Like Des said, they could earn you a bit of money and maybe upgrade to a gun. Yeah. Uh, Jack Williams as well is a, a shout-out to the mighty Kuma Stallions. He's a former Kuma Stallion himself. So we'll see if we can get a little bit of word from him in the preseason about how many minutes he might get, and that'll help us out a lot. Uh, let's jump into some questions before we, we drag on for too much longer, starting with Heath Ansel on Facebook. Hi. I was hoping you might be able to expand on Walson's insights around how the tackling rule changes will affect some wingers particularly who particularly who it might benefit oh yeah so we were talking about the rule that's changed uh that you can't uh tackle a player in the air if they're an attacking player so former uh the prior to this they've had the rule where you could tackle a player if they were the attacking player and they grabbed it i think people like blake ferguson uh uh, Tupu from the Roosters, just anyone who's in, like someone like Falau, if they were playing in the NRL, um, it just makes it really, really tough to stop them from getting a try. You've got to wait till they get back to the ground before they get a try. What would be interesting is, do they get a penalty try if they get tackled in the air? You know, like because well, I think players will just do it to stop the try. So then do they take it out and give a penalty at the 10-metre line or is has that stopped them getting a try? Is it a penalty try? So it's it's an interesting rule, and it might help players like Blake Ferguson and um, those those blokes like Tupu that are really good in the air. Yeah, it's just got drama for the NRL written all over it, and I'm not judging to say it's a good or a bad rule at the moment. Let's see how it pans out, but you nailed it on the head there. I mean, I assume if they try to tackle them in the air, it's got to be a, <clears throat> a penalty try. So anyway, that's not with any confirmation, but that's the way you'd read about it. Um, Tim O'Connor on Facebook is Aaron Woods a decent big minute prospect now that Pryor and Gallon are gone 
Surely he's a massive sleeper just waiting to be unleashed. Before he left the Tigers, he was supposed to be New South Wales captain in waiting. Des, any interest there? Um, I, I think I think he's a wait and see. Uh, he, he could be decent, depending on minutes. But, yeah, he, he wouldn't start with Woods. He could be maybe like a mid-season pod that you'd bring in if, if he's looking the goods. But, yeah, you definitely wouldn't start him. Yeah. Walson? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair shout. Uh, he's averaged... Uh, you go back a few years and he averaged 2015, he averaged 59, and then 2016, he averaged 61, and then 2017, 63, and then he's had his drop-off when he moved clubs, I think. But, um, yeah, if his minutes get up to 60, there was oh, – I did see an article today sa- saying that he's, he could be the starting lock and take over from Gallon. So, yeah, keep your eye out for it. Yeah, it's massive, and I think – I'm really, really intrigued by the Cronulla bench for round one for a lot of reasons. Um, where does Jack Williams end up? Where does Billy Magulius end up? Braden Hamlin, Ueli. Um, does Cameron King get named on the bench as another hooking option to take minutes off Blake Braley? If that was to happen, I'd be really interested in someone like Aaron Woods because I think he plays bigger minutes, but I just think it's a wait and see for now until we see how that bench is named. Um Thoughts on running a George Williams and Scott Drinkwater as 5'8 combo and upgrading second row forward with money saved on Johnson. So already have Moses and Luau. So it's a bit worded. But, I mean, the, the big question is there, guys. I'll start with you, Wilson. What's your thoughts on drink, um, Scott Drinkwater for starters? Yeah, I like him. I mean, you know, how could you not after the weekend and the nines? But you've got to temper it. It, it is nine-a-side football. But I, I've... I've seen him play a fair bit of uh, Queensland Cup up here because he was um, allocated to East Tigers, I think, and he dominated the Queensland Cup up here. But um, he always played fullback. So to see him play sort of like a half role um, is interesting, and I think he's he's a perfect left-side half with his uh, left-foot kicking game. And um, he, he, he looks like a confidence player. So um, some people are considering Morgan uh, – yeah, I'd prefer to go for the lower price drink water and maybe not playing for the f- first couple of weeks and see how it goes. Yeah, the issue for me with drink water is we had a pretty good sample size of him at the Cowboys last year. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. His average was terrible. His base was terrible, even as a fullback. I suppose, how do you see the move, Walson, moving to 5'8", affecting his super coach output? Mm. Well, he might create a few more tries. I mean, it's... It's hard to say what the Cowboys are going to be like. Like you would, I would like to believe that Paul Green is on his last legs and he's basically, you know, throwing everything at it and he might open their game up a bit. And I think some of the buyers that they've had uh, leans towards that, you know, like he's brought in Eason Masters, who I think's a very good attacking player and can offload. Um, I think I just feel like the way they played attacking footy, you'll probably see. Maybe you'll play that kid on the wing, and and that'll that'll show you Tippy's hat to what style they're going to play. But they need to open up the game a bit more, even even for their fans a little bit. The Cowboys because they've been too dour, too structured, and um, Drinkwater looks like a genuine ball player. Yeah, nice mate. Um, and I mean, uh, we're just going to touch on it quickly because there were a lot of questions for it. We did cover it on last week's episode, uh, but. Just people basically asking, do they start with Damien Cook or not? Because he looked a lock for every team for round one. But now that we don't have the cheapies on offer, but we do have cheapies at the hooker, we think in Appy Coruscant, Blake Braley, potentially, but not looking as likely, Harry Grant. Basically, yes or no, Daz, are you starting with Damien Cook at this stage? Uh, no, I'm not. Walson? I would say no, but I always had question marks over Cook going into this year, not because he's not a great player and, you know, he'll do his 40 or 50 tackles um, and he's an attacking threat. Is I don't think he'll get the quick play the balls that he got off the back of the Burgess brothers. Um, so is there one Burgess brother still there? Tom's, Tom's still there. Okay, yeah, maybe. But I, I feel like their pack's been weakened a fair bit. So, um, you know, and it all comes down to quick play the balls. And you take Cameron Murray out of the middle, who's got the fastest play the ball in the game. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know if you'll get the opportunity to run. Yeah, we'll go two more quick ones, then we'll finish up. Um, Des, start with you. Would you prefer to have Moses and Madison? This is from Pat Bonding Kuma. So Moses and Madison or Cleary and Kickout to start the year? 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Roll the dice on that one. Uh, I'd say Moses and Madison just purely off the ill jaw. But I've, I've gone for Cleary over Moses, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Madison is just a, a league above kicker. Yeah, uh, Walson, I guess you're leaning towards the Eels duo as well. Yeah, I, I like the draw. I mean, it's hard to go past Moses. I've not been a fan of him his whole career, but the way he played last year, I mean, I think he's prime. Um, I know I've seen some people writing that they think it was just, you know, like a one-year thing, but I actually think he's prime to take his game to the next level. So um, I'm actually considering him over SJ, which is a massive for me. But, um, yeah, I, I'd definitely go the Eels. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, I'd go with him as well, purely on draw. Um, I'd go – I prefer Cleary over Moses as a buy, but I just think when you're combining the two of them and looking at attacking stats, um, you've got to go to the Eels with that draw compared to Penrith. Uh, last one of the night, the Supercoach spy riding in. He couldn't get enough of it. He's got a tough question. Looking at fullbacks, I know I'm likely going to want Tommy and Teddy eventually unless Pappenhausen goes mental again. He's wondering if he starts with Tommy Trebojevic to save a trade or does he look to get him in at about round five after that really tough first weeks that Manly have? Des? I'm starting with Tommy T. Uh, my team name's Turbo Evo, so I've got to have him. Um, yeah. I, I don't think he's really that draw-dependent. I think he can go big against any team at any time, at any ground, and that's why people love him. Yeah. Walson, Tommy Turbo? Oh, I wouldn't begrudge anyone starting with you. At the moment, I'm probably, you know, I think Pappenhausen's a lock for everyone. And then I'm tossing up between RTS as a massive pod or Ponga. So um, I think Ponga will be highly owned because of his goal kicking, but I think RTS in a weakened uh, Warriors side could play a Pappenhaus-like role where he takes sort of two runs a set and has a high involvement. Yeah, fair enough, mate. And Tedesco was a guy I was always going to start in the year with as well when we thought we had more cheapies. Um, he averaged 84 points last year. He's priced at it was about 780K. He might even be a little bit more. Um, you've just got to think smart at times, don't you? As much as you want him and as much as you want the points. And we don't have this cash available. He, um, there's got to be a regression there of some sort where he drops a bit of cash and therefore there's better options. So I'm going away from Teddy a little bit at the moment. But anyway, we'll get to fullbacks again in the future because it is a massive position. Anyway, that's enough tonight, guys. You've had us for ages. You're probably over us. Des, thank you. No problem, boys. Good to be here again. Wilson? Yeah, thanks, Terry. Thanks, Des. All right. Cheers, fellas. Thanks for tuning in.